Welcome to the Scarleteers podcast, where we talk about our favorite show, Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Welcome back, everybody, to the Scarleteers podcast. Um, this, this month, we're talking about Eliza's family. So we're talking about Henry and Ivy. Lindsay, talk about Henry. Henry Scarlet, dear old Henry Scarlet. Well, I've kind of separated this into two sections for Henry because okay. I always feel there's two sides to him. There's the side that we kind of know, which is he is Eliza's father. And he's obviously been a bit of a single dad to her because uh, her mother has passed away. We don't necessarily know exactly when. We've kind of figured that the two of them have been kind of looking after each other for a while um he is a or was a detective inspector at scotland yard and in his job there he has mentored william the duke and at some point he's he's kind of left scotland yard and set up his own private detective agency which is what eliza kind of takes over and in terms of personality we don't know a lot about him because we only really see Henry in in three scenes and an alive Henry because in the show he is very much a depending on on your theories is he a ghost is he a figment of Eliza's imagination and and again his character's kind of open to interpretation in that sense which is why why we kind of love him and I I certainly love Henry very very much he reminds me a lot of my dad yeah he's he's what is he who is he he is he's Eliza's father and he's very central and and he plays a big role in in certainly Eliza and William's kind of relationship and he's played wonderfully by by the lovely Kevin Doyle that he is (laughs) I do love Kevin Doyle we Um, do yes um Bella introduce us to Ivy yes Ivy so she's the housekeeper, I guess is the correct word, in the Scarlet household. And she's known Eliza since she was five, since Eliza was five years old. So um, for a very long time, she has worked in the household for a very long, very long time. And she's become something like a mother figure, like a surrogate mother to Eliza after uh, she lost her mother. She's very outspoken, so she speaks her mind. She's not afraid to tell um, Eliza the truth, even if um, Eliza doesn't want to hear it. (laughs) But at the same time, she's also a servant. So they have a very special bond. So Ivy is like a mother to to Eliza, as I said. But at the same time, Ivy is still the servant. So... Um, even though she tells Eliza, for example, you can't go out at night, it's it's dark, it's too dangerous, she can't really stop Eliza from going out. So there's this two-edged sword, maybe, to their relationship. She is a very nurturing soul, I would say. For example, when she sees Rupert, the lovely, lovely Rupert, outside uh, in the streets, waiting for his mother uh she invites him in and then gives him tea and biscuits (laughs) she is also very loyal to eliza um for example when eliza um 
has no money to pay her when her business doesn't make money at first. Um, she still stays in the household and runs the household, even though she um, isn't paid by Eliza. I have a feeling that she even pays for the food and, and everything out of her own pocket for a while to, to support Eliza. Ivy is a typical working class woman of the time, so she's uh, uneducated, she can't read. She also has very conservative views, so she doesn't believe in women's rights. Uh, she thinks women's place is in the house, and she wants Eliza to get married and have children, um, like the traditional way. But for both things, for the reading part and also the women's right part, she learns through Eliza. Eliza teaches her, her how to read. Uh, in a very, very touching scene. I think that's most people's favorite or one of our favorite scenes. And uh, Ivy also learns about uh, women's rights, that women can stand up for themselves. As far as we know, she also lives in the Scarlet household, but she also has a mother who is um, not always well, and she visits her regularly. That's a good intro to Henry and Ivy, the two central figures to Eliza's upbringing. Um, let's talk about the actors who play Henry and Ivy. Um, let's start with Henry. Let's talk about Kevin Doyle's work. I mean, he's been around for a very long time. Oh, not a very long time. He started in the 80s, but most of his work has been just in the past couple decades. So let's just touch on a few of his bigger roles. He started off in The Lakes in 1999 as character John Fisher. He also was in Badger as G.I. David Armitage. He was in Drop Dead Gorgeous as Howard Crane. And he got his big international break in 2010 as the butler Joseph Mosley in Downton Abbey. And I know that's probably where most people know him from. And he's continued on through the series and in the movies. And I don't think he and Kate had scenes together. Um, I, kind yeah, of. Kind of? Okay. <laughs> I didn't see the movie. I'm sorry. I didn't see the show as well. So backing away quietly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe I can help you out a little bit. Okay, yes. Tell me a little bit more about his Mosley role. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to start with Kevin Doyle in general. He, I think okay. he's a very versatile actor, British mm -hmm. actor. And I think most of us will have seen him in something because he blends into his character so well. Maybe you don't realize it's him. So um, I've I went through his IMDb and I there were so many things and I was like, oh my god, I've seen that, I've seen that, but I couldn't remember Kevin Doyle in it, and I think that's just because he so perfectly blends into the scene and blends into this character. I so think he's, he's one of those actors that he's like, I know this guy. He's from that one thing. Yeah, he's that yeah. One character in that one thing. Yeah. I've seen him, I know I've seen him in Blackpool, which is uh, 
maybe only British people know Blackpool. Mm. I don't know, Lindsay. <laughs> uh, Is it the, the the show or the place? Uh the the, the show. show. Okay. It's kind of like a musical series, Ooh. I think, with David Morrissey and David Tennant. It's it's really funny, and I have no idea what character Kevin plays, but he's in it. I also know him from Secret Diary of a Call Girl. And I'm kind of glad that I can't remember his character. <laughs> because I think, I suspect he plays one of Bell's clients. And um, yeah, <laughs> it's Eliza's I, dad. I, I can I understand do- <laughs> why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was also in the Tudors. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I thought is really... Um, interesting because I, I love these kind of uh, six degrees things even if they're not six degrees he was in a tv show called ad the bible continues and he played joseph of arimanthia so the guy who took charge of uh, jesus body after he was crucified so he uh, put him into his or he gave him a grave and then the body disappeared from this grave you maybe know the story if you've ever read or heard of the bible stories and um, he played this character in the first six episodes of this show and then starting with episode seven we get a character called Caligula who's uh, later a roman emperor and he's played by Andrew Gower, okay. our Rupert Parker. So, well, if you want another six degrees <laughs> separation between Andrew and Kevin, Kevin Doyle was also in Crimson Field as Lieutenant uh, Colonel Roland Brett. Richard Rankin was also in uh, Crimson Field. Richard Rankin is in Outlander, and Andrew Gower was in Outlander. And so that's also a weird connection. Yeah. So I so. I love I love these weird connections. And then of course now coming to Downton Abbey, <laughs> and you already mentioned it. Um, Downton Abbey, the first movie, um, features our Kate Phillips, and she plays uh, Princess Mary, and Kevin Doyle plays the butler, Mister Mosley. And he's a really fun character. He tries really hard to do his best. And then something happens and he just fails. And he, yeah, he's just (laughs) (laughs) very prone to accidents and awkward situations. But he has a good heart and you just just have to love him. And um, this afternoon when I thought, how could I describe this character? He reminded me a little, little bit of our Mr. Potts <laughs> because Mr. Oh. Potts is also strictly stickler for rules, but then something happens and um, yeah, the rules get broken. So I can see that. So I think there is a bit of not a connection, but a bit of a similarity. But um, yeah, Mr. Mosley is just a really likable character. Mr. Potts, maybe not so much. <laughs> not always. <laughs> We like Mr. Potts. Yeah, we do, but... We do. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So in in the Downton Abbey movie, there is a scene where the royal family comes to visit 
Downton Abbey and there's a big dinner and around the table you have all the different characters and also Princess Mary and Mr. Mosley is one of the butlers serving the food and drinks. So um, I don't think they ever are on screen together, <laughs> but in theory, they're in this scene together. So. Because I started with that he's such a versatile actor. He's going to be in the season two of The Witcher. The Witcher. Yeah. Which is so interesting. I mean, I know mostly, I know Kevin Doyle as, as Mr. Mosley from Downton Abbey. And as um, Eliza's father, as Henry Scarlet, and now he's going to be in The Witcher, and it seems like such a different role. I have no idea what kind of role he's going to play, but it it sounds very different. Yeah, I'm really excited does. to kind of see how what, what how that plays out. Me yeah. too. Yeah, that'll come out soon, as in like maybe a month or so. Yeah. So. Okay, let's talk about Kathy Belton's work. Yes, uh, my turn again. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen her in much, so you go ahead. I know you've seen her in a few things. Yeah, um, so um, again, Kathy Belton is this amazing and really accomplished Irish actress. She was born in Galway, and she's done a lot of stage work and also... Um, acted on screen small and big screen and she won an IFTA which is like the BAFTA so it's the Irish Film and Television Academy and the BAFTA is the British something something <laughs> <laughs> so it's um I think if you talk about American awards it's like an Emmy I think do you think yeah, you I think so. Emmy? Yes. So she's won um, an IFTA for her role in Red Rock in 2015. And she's been in many international productions and played alongside a lot of um, really famous international actors. For example, she was in a movie called Philomena alongside Dame Judi Dench, mm -hmm. which I haven't seen. But I have seen her in a really cute little movie called A Little Chaos, which stars uh, Kate Winslet and Alan Rickman. And Alan Rickman also directed this movie. And it's about two gardeners that build the famous gardens in Versailles. And they fall in love. So... Um, Kathy Belton doesn't play the main part, none of the main characters, but it's a really cute movie. And um, if you are into period drama, which I guess you are, because you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, <laughs> I can highly recommend it. And then um, a true highlight for me this year was uh, watching Kathy Belton in a play during lockdown and now you go like what during lockdown how you can, can you watch a play during lockdown it was streamed online it was a live performance in um in dublin and then streamed online so you could watch it worldwide and it was um a play just uh with three irish actresses and the play was written for these three Irish actresses 
Kathy was one of them. And and I I watched um, Silver Skates that uh, is on it's it's on in Netflix, um, which was it was a really lovely story. It's a Russian um, film, I think, because uh, a lot of it is based in St Petersburg. Um, the only downside is the English version that I watched in it's not um, it doesn't have subtitles. They've dubbed it over into English, and so. Kathy in that plays um, a teacher and I'm sure in the uh, non-dubbed version she's an English teacher teaching this, this Russian I'm not sure if she's like uh, some kind of royalty because it is a period drama so it may be some sort of royalty and I'm sure in the, the, the non-dubbed version she's te- speaking English but in the version that I watched she's been dubbed over into French um, oh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it kind of slightly because I was watching it because she was in it. I was like, oh, it probably would have come across a little bit better if I was watching her in English rather than her dubbed over into French. Um, but the actual film itself was was lovely. It's it's all about um, a young street lad who gets himself involved in this um, kind of almost like Oliver Twist style um, but they have ice skates and they're skating all along St Petersburg River um, kind of stealing things and um, the the girl kind of almost falls for him but she doesn't know he's a bit of a thief Um, and and certainly Kathy's character is very um, influential to her in guiding her her kind of way through um, this kind of probably not very appropriate romance for a street boy mm-hmm. and and, a, and this like I, I don't want to call her an empress but mm-hmm. she's probably some sort of Russian royalty um so yeah it was a, it was a lovely film and it was really good to watch but I think I would have preferred it perhaps if I was watching it with subtitles rather than dubbed over mm. hmm. that's interesting mm. yeah so I, I noticed that she's doing a lot of um, as I said, international films mm. like this Russian film, and I think she was in a Scandinavian kind of um, don't know which Scandinavian country, but a Scandinavian film. So she must film a lot in in different languages. Um, I also want to mention that she was in Nowhere Fast as Caroline, and then the show The Woman in White as Mrs. Hartwright. And then soon she'll be appearing uh, in the movie Nocebo as Liz. And that's also starring Mark Strong. So that's also a big name character that she's going to be starring with. So that's some good uh, up comings for her. So yep. we got two very big actors, um, you know, playing the parts for Eliza's family. Of course, she will be back in season two. Yes, definitely. She's going to be back in season two. She's definitely going to be back in season two. This we know. Yes. (laughs) Um, Let's delve in more into um, Henry at the moment. So let's talk more about Henry. While Kevin Doyle and Henry aren't on the screen as much, we mentioned he plays a very large role. In both Eliza and William's stories, Eliza and William are connected through him. Lindsay, do you want to talk a little bit more about their connection through William? 
or not through, through William, through Henry, sorry. Um, yeah, I think Henry, when you think of the fact that he's in in the show, in terms of the show, he we don't really see him as as a, as he's alive. He is a very influential character. I think a lot of his what we see of him is through Eliza's own thoughts, and and got, he's still kind of guiding her. And and again with William, I think there's this big kind of connection there. He's he always says, you know. Henry was his mentor but he was also his closest friend we kind of get the impression that Henry has almost put William in charge of of Eliza a lot and and perhaps guided this this kind of friendship between them I don't necessarily think that Eliza and William have ever probably spent a lot of time just the two of them or chosen to I think a lot of their previous interactions before the show started have been maybe guided through Henry and him kind of encouraging it maybe we kind of get the impression again with William that he he didn't necessarily have the best life and Henry has kind of pulled him from from the life that he had coming from what we know he was kind of in a workhouse we don't know where whether that workhouse was Glasgow or somewhere in England or you know London we don't know much about that side of William yet. Hopefully we'll find out a bit more. Um, but we kind of get the impression William is very grateful for everything that Henry's kind of done for him. And so he has this level of, I, I need to look after Eliza. I've got to kind of watch out for her. I've got to make sure, you know, nothing happens to her. And that kind of connection through Henry is perhaps why the two of them keep coming back to each other. Like they can never really have a falling out where they can't ever come back to each other it's always going to be that push and pull and he's that kind of pull that says no William you can't walk away and again I think Eliza falls back on that because William's always maybe been there in the background and Henry's always maybe put him in charge of her of she knows William's not really going to let anything bad happen to her because of this connection to her father he doesn't want to let him down so I think it's a really important character of Henry that really kind of helps inspire and lead this this relationship that Eliza and William kind of have found themselves in. Yeah, we do talk about in the second episode, the podcast episode, about William, how he doesn't want anything bad to happen to Eliza, mm -hmm. mainly because this was his mentor and his best friend's daughter. And so... Yeah. We see Eliza and William connected through Henry, that this is Henry's daughter, that William is beholden to Henry, you know, because he's taking William out of this destitute, I don't know, destitute, but, you know, this not nice life. life. Of, yeah, life of, of, of perhaps petty crime where he could have gone. Yeah down a completely different route we assume. yeah and he's kind of taught given him this trade this this life of okay if you act right and you follow me you watch me you can be this detective inspector and build up and you know so eliza and henry or eliza and william i'm gonna do it every time now eliza <laughs> and william have henry to thank for the relationship i think like you said that 
it's not that Eliza and William were buddy buddy when they were children. I think it was just William was hanging at that hanging out at their home because he was, you know, always there with with Henry. And so he was just, you know, bumping into Eliza. And I think they were maybe friendly, but there was that infamous kiss and then there was a falling out and they are just now getting reacquainted and they're only getting reacquainted because of Henry's death and so again we are getting that loop through Henry again Henry bringing him back together you know I don't think it's this long requited love that they were you know romantically involved and they fell apart and they're coming back together I think I know some people are thinking that but I'm sticking to my guns of (laughs) I think actually think that as children they were really like like cat and dog and fighting all the time and William pulling her braids or something (laughs) (laughs) dipping her pigtails in ink yeah 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 and I really think they were fighting and teasing each other all the time kind of like they're doing now and just now they're starting to, well, feel some kind of attraction for each other, maybe. But I think as children, they were really, well, like normal siblings. <laughs> mm-hmm. A little bit, like fighting all the time. Maybe also fighting for Henry's attention and for his love. Of course, there was this infamous kiss between them. But I think it was... Didn't it happen when her dog died? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I think it was maybe she was a bit vulnerable. I can't say the word. Vulnerable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> At the time. And maybe, well, he was a teenage boy. So he maybe saw an opportunity and just kissed her. Or he tried to comfort her, but didn't really know how. And then it turned out to be a kiss. And then she slapped him. So, um <laughs> I don't think it was this big romantic moment between them. But again, I'm yeah, probably going yeah. to be slapped by some people. <laughs> I, I can kind of see them a bit like they are in the show. But I also think that if Henry was around, they probably would have been on their best behavior. And mm-hmm. I don't think that they would have been quite so catty. I, I can kind of imagine the two of them being their normal snarky selves to each other when his back's turned and then yeah. kind of being all proper to each other when he's kind of watching. Yeah. And I can imagine Henry in my mind, I've always kind of thought of Henry rightly or wrongly as this. He's, he's had this thought of, I do quite a dangerous job. Eliza doesn't have a mother. If something happens to me, I need to perhaps put something in place that she's not going to be alone. Mm. And I've always kind of almost thought that he's kind of designed this and and maybe a a bit like in in the flashback scene that we see with William where he's conflicted and he's trying to work out do I go and follow my instincts and know that Eliza's probably not in a good place or do I follow the instructions of my superintendent and and go to the Brownlee and Mm -hmm. the way that kind of comes across I, I put that in my head as Henry's probably been putting these little seeds of you need to look after Eliza you need to look after Eliza into William and put that thought in his head and that's why he won't ever let anything happen to her 
because he's kind of subconsciously had this thought it almost like drip fed into him because as Henry said he has to figure things out by himself if Henry had said you need to look after Eliza if something happened to me William probably wouldn't have taken too good to that so he's kind of subtly over the years drip fed it to him to the point where in his subconscious he's having perhaps a conversation with Henry going I know I need to be looking after Eliza because I need to do my duty to you and look after her so I I kind of think in some ways Henry's almost orchestrated this we'll see who knows because obviously we we have no insider knowledge and um Hopefully, Rachel will drip feed us a little bit more information. Okay, so we only see Henry in these ghost or flashbacks or imaginations and these flashback scenes. So Lindsay kind of talked about it. Do we think these versions that Eliza is showing us and William at one point Do we think they are real or just what they are imagining Henry would say? Because at one point, Henry is very encouraging to Eliza. And we know that that wasn't necessarily true. So ghost version versus reality. What are your thoughts? For me, I think it's quite difficult to associate what is real and what isn't when it comes to Henry because we don't have a lot really to kind of go against it's very open to interpretation which is lovely and and perhaps why I find Henry again quite an interesting character because we haven't been given all of this in a in a great big speech we we it's all was he a bit of a drunk because Sterling obviously says to William at one point oh Henry Henry Scarlet the drunk And you don't know, is that Sterling trying to just get a rise out of William because he knows that him and Henry were quite close? Or is that closer to the reality of who Henry was than these visions that Eliza and and William kind of see of him? Are they imagining him the best possible version? Because I suppose when you do lose somebody who you're close to, you kind of romanticise it a bit and you do like to remember the good things about them. And not always the things that were perhaps not so good. Um, We know Henry was not very good with money because he's obviously left Eliza with a lot of debts. Mrs. Park is obviously trying to kick her out of her house because Henry hasn't paid the lease. So we know he's a little bit forgetful. We know he's not very good with money. So these visions that they have are very kind, very supportive he's very good natured you think of him as this very kind of fun bubbly kind of well-meaning gentleman and perhaps maybe that's not so much of the reality Bella yeah I agree I think that the um vision that we see ghost Henry is um really part of um Eliza's and William's imagination the way they want to remember him as you said, Lindsay, if you lose somebody that you're really close to, you try to to remember best parts about them and you don't want to remember them, maybe not so nice things about them. And um, the situations that Eliza, for example, remembers her father 
are always situations where she she's struggling she needs help she needs support and he's always there to to help her to raise her up and tease her sometimes a little bit with um uh, don't cry or there's no food tonight on the table no supper but they're all like fond memories that she maybe has of her father but there must have been a darker side to him we know that he was a drinker and a gambler and yeah as Lindsay said she, he wasn't very good with money so um there must have been this darker side but we never see it in in those ghost apparitions and I think what I like in in certainly the first episode where they do the flashback with Henry and and the young Eliza is he it does kind of fit with the visions that Eliza has of him if that makes sense you know yeah. he is quite a gentle funny kind of character showing Eliza how to how to behave and and teaching her which fits in with like you say when she is struggling he's giving her those teaching moments like he probably would have done and maybe that's her kind of wishing he was still here to teach her those in those moments yeah yeah I I was gonna say I think the reality is probably a combination or like in the middle because Mm -hmm. in the flashbacks we do see this fatherly caring gentle figure but in the end we know that he was you know this drunkard gambling man who wasn't very good and so it's probably kind of something in the middle Mm -hmm. that it's not quite as kind and gentle as Eliza and William are dreaming of but it's probably not as bad as everybody out was out to make him that oh he's a fall-down drunk Hmm. was laying in the gutter for three days before we found his dead body kind of thing and so I think it's kind of a middle road yeah because we know he started off kind and nice but through the years progressed to this state of yeah and I think I also think that he wouldn't want um Eliza to see this darker side of him like if if he was we don't know when he started to drink and to gamble but I'm sure that he tried to hide it from Eliza for as long as possible like when Eliza was still very young he he wouldn't want to see he wouldn't want her to see him drunk yeah that makes sense (laughs) no it does it kind of segues into the at what point do we think he started to go into this secondary version of himself was it when he was at Scotland Yard because a lot of people at Scotland Yard when William was there considers Henry Scarlet this no good drunkard he wasn't worth you know the clothes he had on his back Sterling calls him a drunkard was he a drunk at Scotland Yard or was this post his tenure at Scotland Yard I mean, we don't know. So no. at what point? I mean, he must have been a reasonably well-respected detective inspector for him to have sponsored William to become a police officer. Because I think based on your research that you, you wrote about Scotland Yard on, on the, the New Scarleteers website, 
you know, William could not have got his job at Scotland Yard. He couldn't have just walked into it. He he would have had to have been sponsored by Henry to do it. So in order for him to have got that job in the first place, Henry must have been respected enough to take on somebody that he could mentor. So for me, I, I think he, it's probably progressed over time. It's questionable, I guess, whether he maybe retired or was he asked to leave because he'd been drinking too much because of the way Sterling does refer to him as a drunk you know when I first watched the show I I thought oh no he's just trying to get a a rise out of William Henry's just this lovely person and now when I've on repeat watching you kind of go hmm is is Sterling's assessment right and perhaps he was maybe asked to leave yeah um the Scotland Yard, the detective department of Scotland Yard was created in 1842. Um, go to our website at scarletteerswordpress.com to read all about Scotland Yard. But they had a very high turnover rate and a lot of the detectives couldn't make it. And so whether it was due to, they just, couldn't be good detectives. They didn't want to be detectives. The work was too strenuous, too gruesome. You know, a lot of them were just bad. They were on the take. They had problems like drinking and gambling and debts. They just had a high turnover rate. So we don't know when Henry left, but we have to assume he was there at least for a little while because of William, he took William under his wing and for a detective to get into the detective department, they had to be mentored by a senior officer and they had to be recommended by a member of the detective department. So Henry and William at least had to work together and Henry had to work, be at least in good standing to recommend William. So he at least had to hide it for at least a little while, his drunken behavior. Yeah. So my little theory, which is not really based on much, (laughs) is that something happened on the job that maybe even Henry and William worked on the same case or maybe only Henry worked on this case and something terribly uh, went terribly wrong. Like um, maybe it was a very gruesome murder. I know it's a bit too early, but think um, Jack the Ripper or something and Henry felt responsible or he couldn't catch the killer or maybe it was something involving children something really horrible that happened and because he blamed himself for what happened or for not catching the murderer or whatever um that led him into drinking and then gambling and maybe um if henry and william worked the case together maybe that also explains why william is drinking but that's just a thought i had like five seconds ago (laughs) the addition of William (laughs) to it. It's not a bad theory because William behaves a lot like Henry Mm -hmm. used to behave with the drinking and Henry didn't really womanize, but that whole immoral behavior of 
staying out all night, drinking, gambling, womanizing, whatever. So maybe William thinks that what a detective inspector needs to do, because I don't know if it's manly or it's the right thing to do, but if Henry was the only role model he had, maybe he thinks that's what I need to do. I mean, I don't know. Again. Maybe it's more like um, he saw that it was Henry's coping mechanism, like how Henry mm-hmm. coped with the horrors they must see on the job because Henry used this uh, mechanism to cope with these things. He adopted the same mechanisms. That's my theory, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I like I, that. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think Eliza certainly sees, I think, um, some of those behaviours in William. I think after her father's death, obviously in episode two, she kind of tells him that he needs to tone down his drinking and his gambling and his womanising. And I think part of that is her almost telling him, I don't want you to turn out like my father, because Mm -hmm. perhaps she does see a lot of how Henry kind of was in the way that William acts. And she doesn't want him to become this drunk who's lost all his money like like maybe Henry Henry was. Yeah. Yeah, could be. Okay, let's go on to Ivy. Ivy is a big influence on Eliza during her formative years. Why do you think that is, other than the fact that she was probably the only woman figure in Eliza's life? Lindsay? I mean, I think certainly for Ivy, she's probably had a very fine line to walk and she still does in a way in that she has a very maternal feeling towards Eliza and you can kind of see that it jumps off the screen in the way that, you know, she looks after her. She clearly worries about her when she's going out at night and things. But equally, she's she's not in a position where she can probably assert any authority. So, you know, in those younger years, she is still a servant. She's still their maid or their housekeeper, depending on on who you talk to. Because I think William refers to Ivy as Eliza's maid rather than her housekeeper. But then I think Ivy and Eliza are, are kind of call her the, the housekeeper. So because she is still in that kind of servant role, she can't really tell Eliza what to do. But equally, there is still that element of she wants to because she wants to protect her. I guess growing up, she's probably been the only female. It doesn't seem like she's really kind of... she's obviously been there for a very long time but when she says things to William like well Eliza doesn't clean up her bedroom she can barely cook and you kind of think well Eliza's probably not a slob (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah and and yes I get she probably wouldn't be that interested in cooking she's got ivy it's probably very low on her list of things to worry about um but you'd think she'd know how to make her bed so you'd kind of be like, okay, why has nobody been telling her, Liza, come on, pick up after yourself in those kind of younger years? I, I don't really know much about kind of the, the class system back in the 1800s, but you'd think somebody would be 
telling Eliza to kind of how to behave, how to be a lady and what is what has influenced her to kind of go, no, not doing that. I'm going to follow my own path. Well, I like you said, Lindsay, I think that Ivy walks a really fine line of trying to be the best female figure in Eliza's life, but without crossing that line of, well, I'm their employee, but I have to help raise this girl. I can't tell her what to do because I'm their employee. And I think she does a really good job of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is handcuffed to the idea that they're paying my wages. I probably live in their house. I'm beholden to them because of X, Y, and Z. But this girl has no mother, no female guidance. And I think she just does a really good job given the parameters she has to deal with. I mean, you know, I don't think anybody could have been a housekeeper and try to raise a girl, but keep the priority, I don't know if that's the right word, the properness, the... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Of, you know, like, I'm their employer. I'm a housekeeper. I'm not of their level, but I need to help this little girl, mm-hmm. you know, grow into an adult. She needs somebody. And also, we kind of don't know what sort of relationship that Ivy and Henry had in terms of what he expected from Ivy when Eliza was growing up. He may have been very blasé about it of, oh, don't worry, she'll learn what she needs to learn at school, presumably. <laughs> you know, we know I Eliza a kind of got that's into a lot what of trouble. It was. I'm feeling Henry is very hands-off of parenting. I mean, although he's like wanting to teach Eliza how to be a detective, I feel like the rest of it, he was all like, left it up, left up to Lavinia to go, you raise our daughter, I'm just going to be this detective inspector. And, you know, because that's the Victorian age, they don't really raise their children. Yeah. I think yeah he he probably after Lavinia's death I think that the detective teaching probably gave them some form of connection because I can imagine him kind of looking at Eliza and Eliza looking at him kind of going oh (laughs) crap what do we do now yeah Yeah. um, you know he's probably never had much of a relationship with Eliza prior to that as you know probably many of the dads at at that time yeah it was all left to to mum in the house and it's not like now whereby you know if I go out my husband knows exactly what to do with my child and everything (laughs) our child should I call her but you yeah. know what I mean? They probably, I think that the teaching of detective work was probably their connection and their way of, I don't know what to do with you, but we can discuss this. And, and you know, he knows how to teach. And Eliza was like a sponge wanting that information and perhaps wanting that closeness and wanting that relationship and the attention in, in that way. Because you see it in those flashback scenes, just how sparkly her eyes were, how attentive she was. She was almost craving that attention. And again, you know, as we see her in in the flashbacks with Henry, she's still kind of craving his attention. No, I absolutely think that's probably what it was. Yeah. One thing that I thought was really interesting is uh, last year I um, interviewed some of our cast members, Um, not the 
video chat. I did another interview before that, which you can also find on our website, the link at least. <laughs> and in that interview, uh, Kathy said that Miss Scarlet is the daughter, sister and best friend Ivy never had. And I thought that was really interesting that she didn't only say, oh, it's she's like a daughter to her, but also like a sister and a best friend. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine, I we don't know how old Ivy is, but, you know, in those days, Ivy, Eliza could have been five, but Ivy may have only been maybe 18, so they probably would have been quite close in age, if you think about it, so to think of them as her sister, that kind, I can see where that connection would come from. Okay, in the show, we also see that Ivy doesn't know how to read. Bella, can you talk a little bit more about that? About how we learn about that? Yes, it's um, in um, the episode with the um, suffragette movement. We um, find out that Ivy can't read. Then there is a very, very touching scene. And I think both Kate and Kathy have mentioned the scene that it's one of their favorite scenes in the entire first season um, where um, Eliza teaches her very slowly how to read. And at first, Ivy is like, oh, I don't want to learn this. I don't need this. But Eliza insists. And then you can see this kind of spark light <laughs> coming up in, in Ivy's eyes um, because um, I think it's it's like a, a miracle that unfolds in front of her. Suddenly, these um, letters on the page aren't just lines on a page. Suddenly, they have a meaning to her. And I think um, she discovers this whole new world. And that's a really beautiful moment. And yeah, there always seems to be a bit of dust around when I watch this scene so <clears throat> um, yeah it's it's a really beautiful moment between two women helping each other and raising each other. And I think it's a nice kind of throwback to the fact that when the show doesn't shy away from some of those things like the fact that Ivy wouldn't have been taught to read from because of the background that she came from. I think we all have said we'd love to sit down and have a cup of tea and a biscuit with Ivy. Like it would just be so comforting. And I, I find that quite, like you say, you, you, there's some dust around when, when mm. this kind of happens because it does show how close they are. And it's not just this relationship of servant and boss, I suppose Eliza is to Ivy, but there is a, a great level of respect and a great level of friendship. and those moments happen and certainly with Eliza she can be quite in her own world you know she does what she wants she doesn't often have somebody around telling her what she can and can't do at this point in the show previously before the show probably she's had a lot of people telling her what she can and can't do but she's in this position now where she doesn't really have to answer to anybody and it's lovely that she does take that moment to to realize perhaps Ivy needs a little something from her yeah and also like as much as we love Eliza she can be like you said she's in her world but she sometimes doesn't see 
problems that other people have. Don't want to call yeah. her egoistically, but she's sometimes a little bit selfish, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I and I think I'd 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 a hundred percent agree with you on that. And that's and, why I like this scene because it shows where she steps out of her her natural self and she goes oh there's more than just me in this world and she just simply says well you're gonna learn and I'll teach you and she doesn't she's not a snob she's not a brat about it and they just very calmly sit down and she teaches Ivy she doesn't make a big deal she could blow it out of proportion of oh women need to learn and it's just a very nice scene of these two friends, these two sisters, these two, this mom and daughter going on this journey together. It shows Eliza is more than what we have seen her to be for the first three episodes of just this woman who gets her way, wants her way, does anything to get her way. And she's just like, oh, there's more than just me. There's more than just my problems. So that's why I like the scene because it's yeah. just very nicely done. Yeah, and the thing that makes it really extra special, I think, is that Ivy doesn't ask her, please, can <laughs> you teach me how to read? It's Eliza realizing this is something that Ivy should be able to do and that will help her become, maybe saying a bit much, become a better person it's like Eliza really wants to do this for Ivy and that's in my eyes makes it really special yeah well with that episode and talking about the women's suffragette movement Ivy also in juxtaposition wants Eliza to have a traditional life which is also parallel to Henry's wish she doesn't want Eliza to have this detective agency. She doesn't want Eliza to do all this dangerous work. She just wants Eliza to settle down and have a family. Lindsay, can you talk about it? Uh, yeah, so when we kind of first meet Ivy, she's kind of very insinuating that she wants Eliza to, to go off and accept Rupert's marriage proposal you know she's she's saying the sooner your mother's ring is on the right finger the better and you know when we see her at the beginning of the suffragette uh, episode again she's she's kind of saying Eliza what why do we need to worry about the laws of the country haven't we got enough to be getting on with you know we we've got to be cleaning the houses and doing the cooking and let the men do it and and it is almost like again the way that ivy has probably been raised she she's set in a traditional kind of life and we don't know what henry wanted for eliza we can only assume that he didn't want eliza to have anything to do with the detective agency because and i think i said this before if he'd have wanted or believed in eliza and was as supportive as as she wants him to be in these visions that she she has of him he would have found some way to include her in his detective agency and he didn't. So we kind of assume 
that he wanted her to finish, go to finishing school, maybe become a lady, get married, become a lady of her of her class, so to speak. So is Ivy kind of following Henry's lead in that? We don't know because we obviously don't really see what Henry wants, but we can only assume that perhaps she is on a par with what maybe Henry wanted. Hopefully, as, as the, the episodes go on and also as we go into season two, we see we'll see Ivy's growth and and see that Eliza does have a lot of potential. You know, she's not just somebody who's going to want to settle down and have kids and forget about the world. She's she's kind of got this brain that, that she wants to use. And yeah, being a private detective, probably not the safest job to be getting on with, but you know that that's where Eliza's passion lies so hopefully we'll kind of see that progress yeah I agree in the beginning Ivy makes no bones about how she's very unhappy with Eliza's sneaking around and trying to find dead slash drunk bodies of prostitutes because when she comes in at the very first scene and she says don't tell my dad I did all this Ivy's face is just furious because she wants to tell Henry right away as soon as Henry comes back in that she's going to tell that Eliza was out doing all sorts of mischief and like you said probably by the end although maybe not you know she may not be too keen on that but she sees that okay maybe it's not so bad she probably not 100% on Eliza's side but she sees that they need to have some sort of way to get money maybe it's not Rupert but until the right man to come along to wed Eliza you know there has to be some way to get money and it might it might as well be the detective agency as long as it's safe but yeah for you know in the beginning we can tell that Ivy just wants her to settle down because Eliza's a wild hot mess and she's getting in trouble but yeah Bella any thoughts I think that over time Ivy also realizes that Eliza's kind of good at what she does and that it it works out the detective and maybe she's even better than Henry Again, we don't know that much about. Fucking. <laughs> you know, I know. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> so, um, she, I think Eliza gains Ivy's respect in her in her job as as a private detective. And again, referring the interview I did last year with um Kathy and some of the other cast, Kathy said that. I asked them what they hope um, their character will do um, in season two. And at that point, we didn't know that there would be a season two. Um, and Kathy said that she hopes that maybe Ivy will help um, Eliza in her detective agency. So I think that would be, or would be, we don't know if this will happen. <laughs> so this would be like the next step. Like at first, she was very disapproving of um, Eliza's choice <laughs> that she didn't choose Rupert as her husband mm-hmm. that she chose to work 
then she starts to respect it and realize okay this is working she's making money she's not getting herself killed (laughs) (laughs) hopefully and um, the next step then hopefully we'll see that in season two is that um, Ivy gets to help her in in some of her cases that would be really wonderful I think that would be cool that would be fun I think she's still quietly hoping that Eliza's going to settle down at some point. I think in episode six, when Rupert shows up at the house, I think there's a little glint in Ivy's eye that kind of almost is like, well, maybe this time he's been coming around. They've been having drinks on the sofa together. Maybe this time she'll change her mind. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. That would be fun. To have maybe she, maybe she hopes it's, it's, yeah, maybe ho- she hopes it's just a face and that Eliza will outgrow this face at one point. <laughs> Typical parent. It's just yeah. a face. Just, just a face. Okay. Um, let's move on to fan questions about Henry and Eliza. Uh, we got numerous questions on Facebook. When do we think Henry stopped training Eliza? Or did he continue to train her or teach her? Because he couldn't help it. For me, I think that probably he, around the time where where, where we see him in the flashback and, and he kind of is like, no, it's time for you to, to become a lady. I think at that point is when he probably backed away a little bit maybe found himself a little bit busier at Scotland Yard so he wasn't around so much and I I would assume that's probably around the time that he maybe took on William we don't know how old William was when he met Henry hopefully in season two we may find a little bit more my assumption based on basically my own theories (laughs) um, (laughs) is is that after Henry made that decision that actually no Eliza is not benefiting from me sharing all this putting all these fanciful ideas in her head that's the point where he's kind of met William and or William has come into his life and he's already thinking what can I do I can't teach Eliza oh look here's another willing apprentice I'm, I'm going to share my knowledge with him and so his focus has shifted and he's then teaching William so he's not teaching Eliza he's maybe left her to to her schooling so to speak and he's probably backed away and I for me that that kind of supports that whole Eliza and William not necessarily having this close relationship because I always feel a bit like Eliza's maybe a bit jealous that William is this boy that her father did teach even though she was a willing student she wanted to learn from him that maybe Henry backed away and then he's teaching William and the only reason is that she's a girl and he's a boy and you know I think there's there's there was that level of jealousy that William suddenly was getting all this attention that she didn't and that's probably spurred her on to this I'm going to be a detective like him because I you know I need to show my father I can be as good as he can. I think in the flashback, you know, he said he was going to stop. I think he officially stopped, but subconsciously, 
he was teaching her how to be observant and notice things or how to ask the right questions or how to get answers to problems. I think that was just an innate part of their relationship at that point. Not that he was overtly saying, this is what you need to do. This is how you do it. I think it was just, you know, how they would go about things. And so she just kind of was still learning a little bit. And then when she wasn't getting the answers or the learning, she would listen at the door or spy on Henry and William to get the answers. Yeah, I think my my theory. Yeah, I think her first detective job was observing Henry. (laughs) (laughs) Like how how do you do the whole detecting thing? (laughs) There you go. And I also that's yeah, my theory based on nothing but my own theory (laughs) Um, (laughs) is that um, Eliza spent some time away from the Scarlet household because there's this really awkward moment between William and Eliza when they meet again for me it's again in in, in the first episode and it feels like they spent some time together as children or as teenagers And then Eliza maybe went away for school uh, and lived somewhere else for a while. And maybe that costs a lot of money as well. So maybe her father's debt wasn't so much about his gambling, but also about getting her a proper education. And um, of course, she spent probably most of the time learning how to dissect frogs or something <laughs> poison them with uh, laudanum or whatever so I think he had every intention of stopping to educate Eliza as a detective but it was kind of too late already she had already picked up too much and then she continued on her own and taught herself a lot either by observing Henry and William or just yeah doing things on her own and trying to figure out things on her own okay next question do we think ivy was predominantly eliza's only female role model or do we think there was others like ants she certainly didn't look up to teachers (laughs) certainly not one of them (laughs) yes (laughs) miss dawkins miss dawkins Mm -hmm. Eliza certainly doesn't seem to do very well with women like just in general when you do see her other than I mean I suppose even with Clara Clara Sims that there's this almost like she doesn't know because she's so different from them and she thinks so differently she always ends up getting herself in trouble kind of in the way you know she talks to um Nan- the name is escaping me but the photographer's fiance i can't remember her name amelia? Uh, but okay amelia that's it amelia evans she she kind of trips over herself and gets herself in trouble with her views on marriage and it's it's almost like she does have difficulty talking. So I, I do think in some ways she probably hasn't had 
many female friends. She obviously didn't get along with the girls at school. She's obviously not had her mother. Um, We think, judging by some very blurry screenshots of the gravestone that we discussed on one of our um, Scarlett's Zoom calls that we've done, we, we think Eliza was probably around seven when her mother died. That's still quite a young age to have followed this is how a lady should act, so to speak. So I think she's probably either she doesn't really follow how to how to deal with other members. She she certainly doesn't have a lot of female friends and things. So it would be interesting. I think somebody made a comment on on the group. It would be rare that she doesn't have any aunts or uncles because for both Henry and Lavinia to be only children in that time would possibly have been quite rare. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's something else that I look forward to in season two, hopefully, um, if they can include it. It's kind of a lot I want to see in season two. (laughs) (laughs) It's only six episodes. Um, But yeah, just see more of Elias's family. Like maybe there are uncles or crazy aunts. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? (laughs) Well, I think Ivy was the only close and like physical proximity female role model she may have had aunts who were maybe would visit once in a while or at least were around but as far as like regular contact I think Ivy was probably the only one that she had just because of the closeness we see with the characters I just don't think she had like a regular female role model other than Ivy to base herself on. She probably had aunts, aunts and uncles, but as far as like having somebody to look up to, I think it was probably only Ivy because of her awkwardness with other women and just, I guess, kind of her her social awkwardness as well. We only see Ivy and Ivy as a lower class citizen sadly because she's a housekeeper Eliza doesn't get that sort of higher social manners lesson that probably aunts and uncles would teach her Eliza's kind of socially awkward when she meets other peers of her kind and so I just think Ivy was kind of the only adult other than Henry that she was ever around on a regular basis to kind of get her lessons from yeah that's my thought maybe they just live very far away so they they visit maybe once or twice a year but they aren't around like all the time so they they are not really an influence on on eliza yeah for, for one reason when i think about eliza having an aunt i i envision this aunt to be something like mrs parker <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the entire time when we talked about aunts, that was the image I had in my head. (laughs) Like a second (laughs) Mrs. Parker. Yeah, yep. And that could be why she doesn't have contacts, contact with other, another aunt, because Lavinia was like a black sheep. Yeah. Because if we're assuming that 
Eliza's like a younger Lavinia in kind of spirit and personality. Theories, theories, theories. <laughs> yeah. There's, so. there's also this theory that uh, Lavinia was of a slightly higher class than Henry. Mm-hmm. So maybe her family burned her. Disowned her? Disowned yeah, her. yeah, yeah, yeah. Disowned her or, yeah, yeah. just... Didn't, want didn't support the marriage because yeah. that's kind yeah. of I suppose what they did if they didn't agree with the person you're marrying they just ignored you yeah, yeah. so yeah that's possible yeah. we'll see hopefully season two or future we'll see <laughs> okay where do we think Eliza's view of marriage comes from we know that Queen Victoria didn't want to be married at first and we have a very good written article on our website about Victoria and Albert, if you want to read about their marriage. So, Yes. So to answer the question, where does her view of marriage come from? I think it's, it helps to have a look at, at Queen Victoria as a woman of that time <laughs> um, and also at um, Clara Sims. Queen Victoria was um, 18 when she became uh, the queen, which is um, becoming the most powerful woman of the known world back then. But um, she didn't want to be married because she suddenly had this freedom. She um, grew up in very a very strict system. There were a lot of rules. And um, her mother was... Again, what is it with Victorian overprotective mothers? <laughs> her mother was very overprotective of her. And uh, so when she gained that freedom and she became queen, she said, no, I don't want to become a wife. I don't want to be married straight away. I want to enjoy this freedom because she knew that the moment she was married, she would, even though she was still the queen, she would, in a way, become property of her husband. Of course, as queen, she still had more rights than the average woman, but still, in Victorian times, as a woman, she didn't have any rights. And especially if you were married, you were the property of your husband. Your husband could do everything, anything to you that he wanted. And again, that was uh, Clara Sims as an example, because her husband threw her in um, in an asylum, in a mental in- institution, just so he could um, have her money. Because as a woman, you couldn't inherit any property or money if you were married. That all went automatically to your husband. So I think... Um, for Eliza, because she's so independent and so headstrong, and she wants to go and do her thing, for her to getting married would mean giving all of that up, giving up her independence, giving up her job, becoming this dependent woman, having children that would slow her down in a way and and tie her to the house. That's everything that she doesn't want I think yeah I I mean I think 
It's kind of twofold because I don't necessarily think she is completely against it. I don't think that she wants to spend her entire life alone. I I think we, we have to assume that Henry and Lavinia had a happy marriage because we know from what William says to Eliza at Henry's funeral that Henry clearly missed her. He, he missed her even more as he got older. Um, so, and, and Eliza being seven, she probably does remember her parents. And if they did have a happy marriage, there's going to be that element of, could I have what they had? If I, if I have to get married, I want it to be perhaps like they have, or perhaps like she perceived that they had. But equally, like you say, I think she's maybe like, I don't think William even comes into the consideration of it. I think it's purely perhaps when Henry decided he wasn't going to train her or teach her anything more about being a detective. In her mind, she's almost made that decision of I'm going to do completely the opposite of what you think I should do, of what you expect of me. It's almost like you know, if somebody says one thing and you go, mm, that's nice, I'm going to do the opposite. Mm. So I think there is that element of she just wants to do the opposite of what is expected. So I don't, you know, she, when she's asked in episode four, you know, don't you want to, she doesn't flat out go no. So I don't think that there's no, I never want to get married. But equally, I think that there is that she's made this decision a long time ago. I want to do the opposite. And she's going to have to, at some point, find her 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 middle ground in all of this. Because there, in that time, if she does marry somebody, no matter who it was, that's the role that she's going to end up playing. Because that is just the way the laws of the land at the time worked. You didn't have rights you did kind of have to hand over your property to whoever your husband is you know there's a lot of of restrictions so i think it's not necessarily no never but definitely not right now yeah i completely agree again with queen victoria she said i don't want to get married straight away but she knew she would get she would have to get married at one point and um have children just because she's the queen and she needs an heir and so on and and I think she also wanted to get married at one point but she still wanted to have this few years of freedom uh, enjoy this freedom and I think that's exactly what Eliza wants to do as well and when uh, Rupert says we could have a marriage of convenience uh, you'd be my wife and there would be no children and everything that comes before children involved Eliza kind of hesitates and can't remember if she actually says it or, or if it's just implied, but it's like, oh, maybe I do want to have children at one point. So maybe this marriage of convenience wouldn't really work for me either. Yeah, I think she says that they'd make each other miserable or yes. very unhappy. That's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's always, I can't imagine Rupert making someone completely unhappy, but, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think I, that's where I kind of go with the whole, she's probably seen her parents and her attitude is, well, if I, if I have to marry somebody, I want that relationship. I'm not going to just marry somebody because it 
it's a good financial reason to marry them or it's a good name for any future children I might have. She's not really interested in that at the moment. I also think there's a little bit of skittishness to her not wanting to have a relationship yet because she's grown up without a mother and without her parents' marriage all these years. She hasn't seen this love, like a loving relationship in front of her eyes. And so she doesn't know how to act around a boy she likes. And so we see her a couple of times when there's like this closeness, like with the egg boiling episode, her and William are really close. And, you know, there's this moment and she's all like, she hesitates and she's like, well, what do I do? And if you don't have an example of a loving relationship, you don't know how to make a move or say, give a hint to the man that's saying like, I want to be kissed or whatever, you know, I think there's a little bit of a like, well, I like this boy. What do I do now? And I think there's a little bit of shyness or skittishness with her like, oh, there's this guy I like now. What do I do? I mean, I think it's probably 80%. I don't want a man who's going to take all over my property and I can't do all this stuff. And I think there's a little bit of shyness. Now that she's up against this very handsome guy who is her equal and she likes him. and But she's like, I don't know what to do now. And she is used to being this force of nature and he's not backing down, but she's kind of like, uh, bye, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I think there's a little bit of that too. Yeah, and I think also if Ivy is really her only female friend, it kind of goes back to that of, has Ivy ever had any sort of relationship experience that perhaps if she's kind of always been just uh, working at the Scarlet's, maybe she hasn't mm-hmm. had that kind of outside influence either. Yeah. So so I've, Eliza, like you say, probably doesn't have any understanding or examples of of what a relationship looks like and if in her mind she's just thinking well you're just gonna tell me what to do you can kind of see where where that that skittishness comes from yeah yeah she doesn't have somebody to go to you know she can't go to ivy and go ivy you're married what do i do (laughs) or she can't go to clara sims and go clara what do i do you know (laughs) like who she doesn't have anybody she can't go to mrs parker she and so i think there's a little bit of that shyness mm-hmm. because you see there was a moment william's sitting on his desk she's sitting in the chair in front of his desk and you know she looks up at him and she just is like oh, oh he's really handsome and she's like oh, oh bye and you know mm-hmm. and there's and we all know that feeling of like oh there's this cute boy I really like him. I don't know what to do. Let me run. I think there's a little bit of that. Yeah, like I said, 80%. She doesn't want a guy to take all of her stuff and to be his property. But I think it's also she's a little bit shy and skittish right now because she doesn't have anybody to model that romantic love after. Maybe it's also a bit uh, part of she doesn't want anyone to get too close to her emotionally because she's lost her mother 
and uh, she only recently has lost her father. Um, so that's two important people in her life that she lost, and maybe that makes her skittish a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't want anyone else to come too close to me because maybe I lose them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely see she she has a an inkling of worry about William, in in the sense that you know she I think it's episode five in the the jail cell after when she's fixing his hand where she's like if you die I'm I'm going to be all alone so let me sort you out and the fact that she runs in front of a gun for him I think she does have that element of I can't lose anybody else yeah well we'll see what she thinks of next for marriage Mm Yeah. Okay. And then, and then I think our last section is probably predictions for Ivy for season two. I don't yes. think we've yeah. done that. No, we haven't. <gasps> what are our predictions? What are <laughs> predictions for Ivy? Aside from she's got to go out on a case with with Eliza, mm-hmm. I would I would quite like to see her outside of the house, outside of the kitchen, yeah. and outside of the drawing room, um, because I think the only time we see her outside of the house is when she goes to William when Eliza's missing yeah so I would quite like to see that and I'd like a little bit of romance in in Ivy's life I think yes. she yeah love. Yes. yeah and we all have already decided and who her mm-hmm. <laughs> her love interest will be yes I think that would be quite <laughs> It has Why to be Mr. Potts. I'm definitely yes. championing Mr. Potts. I, personally, and I, my reasoning for this is because she needs some sort of influence for Mr. Potts. And I just sit there and I think, how can Mr. Potts, um, you know, ignore Ivy's biscuits? You know, Ivy can make him nice little biscuits. Ivy can go to the mortuary. Uh, Eliza can go to the mortuary. Oh, look, Ivy's made you some biscuits. And he can go all, go- all gooey-eyed and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, she gets around him that way. But Ivy definitely needs some love. And uh, I, I think she could definitely charm Mr. Potts. Yes. Yeah. And then she and Eliza can um, giggle late night mm-hmm. over candle about their school <laughs> girl crushes on their boys. Sitting at the kitchen table over yeah. cups of tea. <laughs> yes. I like it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Ivy definitely needs some forward movement out of the house out of the romance rut definitely and out of her comfort zone like yes yes yeah yeah it'll be interesting to see how far along she's come in the reading I think that's interesting I full credit to Ivy if she couldn't read the fact that she can cook I mean full credit to her Mm -hmm. because in my head Ivy is just this amazing cook and to not be able to read a recipe you know everything that she's learned has got to be done from memory and I can't remember what I did last week let alone (laughs) so full credit to Ivy there Ivy needs to put out a cookbook next Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. yes please we need Ivy's cookbook cookbook. there we go either that or she's going to be on the next season of Great British Bake Off (laughs) I like that Star Baker yep yes (laughs) I, like I wonder if Kathy Belton can cook as well as <laughs> Ivy. <laughs> there you go. That's a question. Oh, I'm her off as I go. 
That's a great question for our next um, interview. <laughs> there we go. It's been thought. Or, yeah. or Kathy Balton, if you're listening to this, just answer on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Tweet at her. Well, this was a good one, ladies. Lovely yeah. chatting as always. Yes. Yeah, and, and if you didn't catch it when we spoke on it, we now have a Scarlet Tears website. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right? Okay, I was like, Ooh. we do, we do, right? Right. Yes. Um, yes, it's scarletears.wordpress.com. So go and visit all the nice, wonderful things we've put on there. It's a lot of great things, pictures and words. It's fun. And there will be more. There will um, be a ton more. So, mm -hmm. And on the website, you can find links to all our social media outlets, to our Facebook page, Facebook group, Instagram, Twitter, uh, the podcast, of course, interviews, YouTube. It's all there. And yep. it's growing every day. Yep. Just a really big shout out to the rest of the, the crew, to Rachel, to Steve and everybody who's been posting behind the scenes pictures because they are amazing and yes. we love them. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. We're getting really excited about season two. Yes. Yes. All right. Um, thanks for tuning in and catch you on the flip side. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Scarlet Tears podcast. Music by Kevin McLeod. Incomatech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribute 4.0, license HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash. Forward slash.